0: wonder how many of you are uh, sports fans a lot of uh, Americans it's a huge part of our culture we enjoy sports professional sports um put before us the best athletes in that particular uh, sport and we enjoy watching them Um, how do I know that's true in America because the reason why they make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars is because um advertisers and sponsors and everything know that the American public loves athletics and athletes, and it's just a massive money-making thing. And so these men and women get paid tons of money uh, to do what they love to do, which they have um, probably since a very young age been working uh, to become the best of the best in. Um, I'm a particular fan of Major League Baseball, and I like the NBA. I love basketball. I'm, I'm not a big NFL guy simply because Sundays don't give me a chance to pause and all the games are played on Sundays. So I tend to get, you know, a little bandwagon-y with the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, this, um, I'm in metro Atlanta, and so I love Atlanta sports teams. The Falcons are hard to love because they're historically pretty disappointing. Um, but the Braves, on the other hand, um, always seem to have something to offer. The Hawks um, <laughs> are a frustrating basketball team. Uh, they have some incredibly skilled players, but they just can't seem to rise above the level of mediocrity. And that's been historic for most of the years the Atlanta Hawks have been here. Um, I'm I'm watching over the last couple of years uh, the Hawks who built their team around their point guard, Trey Young. And Trey Young is one of the most prolific scorers in basketball as an individual. He's incredibly talented, um, like amazingly so. And um, – you know, I've often wondered why can't this guy win? I mean, you know, he's an individual player, but and not knowing him, not knowing anything about him, I'll risk this uh, armchair quarterback assessment. He doesn't seem to be a leader. He doesn't seem to be able to motivate and lead the team that he is uh, really the core member of. And I think about that a lot. Um, from the world of sports, uh, I look at it quite frequently in the kingdom. Where there are gifted, skilled individual leaders who never seem to bring people into the fullness of breakthrough, um, for lack of a better phrase, by comparison, they just never seem to win any championships. And uh, what Trey Young is to the Hawks, and again, I don't know him. I hope you know he's not going to hear this. So I'm, I'm not going to really worry about it. But um, he's a, he's an incredibly skilled and gifted player, but he doesn't seem to be able to win when it most counts. And I I was, you know, driving in today and thinking about needs in the kingdom and what I'm observing happening, happening in a lot of areas of the kingdom. Um, Right now, I think many um, are going through disillusionment. They're really questioning the validity of American Christianity and the expression of it in the last maybe 50 to 100 years. Um, we've seen some scandals that, you know, I've mentioned from time to time here on the podcast, um, you know, specifically with the crowds that I associate with and the charismatic, um, praying churches, Holy Spirit churches, uh, the scandal in Kansas city out of international house of prayer with Mike Bickle. Um, and I've, I've intentionally not really followed it, but I do glance at it about once a week or Amy and I will talk about it and. Find out what the latest update is because it hits close to home um, with some people that I know that were very, very tied in to uh, House of Prayer and KC. Um, But here's what's happening, man. People, and this actually has something to do with what I was saying about Trey Young. When it most counts, I'm watching people fall and fade. Like these are make or break moments as we approach the end of the age, these are the days that Jesus talked about. And he said, as you know, as we approach the end of the age and right before his second coming, there are going to be many that are offended and fall away. And I am seeing uh, what I believe is the seed form of that. I believe it's going to happen on a massive scale uh, the closer we get to the coming of Christ, but I'm already seeing how it's going to happen This issue of offense in the spirit among people who are individually committed to Jesus, uh, love Jesus, serve Jesus, uh, give fruitfully with their time and their money and their their gifts and abilities into the kingdom. Um, In better days, they love the church and or the prayer movement. And because a singular, very well-known global leader has fallen morally apparently and again I'm not following the details so I'm not going to say much but from what I have seen he seems to have been in some sense fraudulent representing himself as something other than he was at least for a period of time and because of that people are losing their minds it's not just being angry and outraged at hypocrisy but they're questioning things that they shouldn't question the champions are built not just by giftedness not just by knowledge not just by um you know being connected at the right time in the right places let me tell you ultimately the thing that will remove your ability to win and that is the lack of endurance when you quit you lose every time You never win any contest that you quit, and the Bible speaks multiple ways, multiple times comparing the Christian journey to a race, to a fight, and to a war. You quit a race, you lose. You quit a fight, you do lose, and you quit a war, and you lose, and when the Bible speaks of these things, I think we need to pay attention because in a race, you get exhausted. In a fight, you get wounded, and in a war, you can get taken out. And so when, when we're looking at our Christian lives and we get sideswiped by, um, people that fall, people that disappoint, pain, um, you know, flawed systems, local churches are all flawed. They're led by flawed people and they're, they're ministering to flawed people. And this kind of, I think, I don't, I'm going to choose my words carefully, this immature, um, fantasy that the early church is what we need to get back to. Um, it leaves it's, I call it a fantasy because when people are thinking that way, they're thinking in this dreamland version of the early church, as if these very same things didn't exist then that exist now. And so people are aghast and people aren't, focused and centered enough. Hold on, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> I'm not even going to edit it out. People are not grounded and rooted enough in Christ himself. And they, they are rooted partially in Christ, but they're rooted in the sustainability of other things and other people. And when those other things are, those other people prove to be not Jesus, not perfect, not, you know, Um, without blemish, then they throw their hands up and they, they walk away. And I'm seeing this happen, guys, at a rapid rapidly increasing clip. That, you know, because of the situation in Kansas City with Mike Bickle, people are questioning if the prayer movement was ever real. Because people have been wounded and hurt in church, they're saying, nah, the church isn't really legitimate anymore. And it's amazing how quickly... People abandon things that in which God is working, moving, blessing, and advancing the kingdom. But they find out, oh, this thing has flaws, and so they walk away. So it's not an uncommon thing for me to address this in Mavericks and Misfits talks. Um, I, I, I'm seeing it all the time, and I'm hoping maybe, I'll just slow some of you down, that uh, are such a maverick, that you're just like, I ain't doing anything that has organization on it. I'm not going to do anything that's part of a local church. I, I ain't going to follow that person because I don't think they're exactly how they need to be. Um, it's, it's so easy for us to hastily see flaws and failures in other people and execute judgment on the inside. And it's interesting that when those same things exist in our lives, we want grace and mercy when we're confronted with them. And yet we don't give it very often. Now, let me just say something very quickly. I am not excusing anything that reportedly Mike Bickle has done or any other leader with moral scandals and failures and abuse and all of that. Um, Those things are issues for for which there is accountability and those local institutions need to handle that. Um, And I hope that they will. Um, So I'm not excusing sin. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. It's it's a very common phrase. You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. As far as I've been told, the the origin of that phrase "Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater" is that in yonder times, in the olden days, um, you know, there'd be one tub in the house, and everybody would bathe in it. And typically the the men who worked the fields or worked, you know, manual labor, you know, we're talking a little house in the prairie days, they would get the warm water first. And then if there was another opportunity, then maybe the wife would get a bath, same tub, same water. And it worked its way down to the children based on age. And the baby was usually the one who got the last bath if it was going to happen. And the, by then, the water was murky and nasty because of all the other people that had bathed in it. Sounds gross, but that's just the way they did when they didn't have running water. And so they would typically throw out the bath water. And the phrase came, hey, don't throw out the baby too. Yeah, we got to get rid of the bath water, but treasure the baby. And so the phrase becomes in our day, um, kind of a statement that says you've got to get rid of what's wrong, but don't throw out what's right. Don't, don't get rid of what is good and precious, that priceless baby in the midst of dirty bathwater. And so I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about how, how, just let me say it this way. How are you and I going to win championships as kingdom people? How are we going to win? How are we going to you know break the back of the enemy? How are we going to chase devils out of our cities and our counties? How are we going to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit? How are we going to pray in revival? How, how are we going to impart power? How are we going to see healings, deliverances, resurrections? Those are all things in the Bible that are available for us. Well, I'm going to tell you how we're not going to do it. We're not going to be doing it by walking around per- perpetually offended, critical, and retreating. Look, I, I, I want to tell you this, Jesus himself in his omniscience sees everything that is wrong with a local church. He sees everything down to the molecular level of what is wrong with the big C church globally. If anybody has the right and the giftedness to walk away because of what he sees that is wrong it would be king jesus and he's never walked away he doesn't beat up on his bride he corrects he washes he helps he reforms he rebukes he stabilizes he raises her up but he doesn't walk away When it comes to walking away from flawed systems, I will give you a word. People that do that are cowardly. They're cowardly. Because God has revealed to them what is wrong with that church or what is wrong with that ministry or what is wrong with that movement. And they walk away instead of staying in humility, patience, and faith to wait upon the Lord as he reforms what is wrong. You know, most critics, people that criticize the church, I see it online all the time. you got all these people who are gifted individually. They're like Trey Young on the basketball court. They're gifted individually. they got gifts. they got actual valid gifts, discernment. They've got prophetic insight. They've got a heart for the Lord. They, they love God, but they don't love his bride. They don't love the bride of Christ. And they instead of using their gifts for the beautification of the bride who needs some help. (laughs) Um, They use those gifts and they retreat from the bride and they criticize her. Now, guys, let me just, you married guys. Let me just ask you, how do you respond to somebody if they got online and critiqued your wife? What would you do if somebody was slandering your bride? What would you do if somebody was beating up on your bride? All right, I don't even have to wait for an answer. You take action in a heartbeat. You wouldn't say, that's okay. They just see some flaws in my bride that are true and I'm going to let them run their mouths. I'm going to let them wail on my bride. You're a terrible husband if you do that. How much more do you think our bridegroom in heaven is going to counteract and resist people that throw stones at his bride, especially keyboard warriors online who all they want to do is protest and see what's wrong with the church. And here's the thing. I don't actually think they're always wrong in what they see actually think they're right a lot of the time, but they're like the, the greatly skilled player who doesn't know how to win on a team and they never win championships. They just got their individual stats. Somebody needs to hear that they get their individual stats. Well, I got this and I see this and I do this and I say this and what they do is they attract a bunch of other individualized people who also have their own gifts. And the one thing that happens is these people all band together that are church critics and that are people that are defaming the bride of Christ and pointing out all that's wrong, but won't put in the courageous, long-standing effort to reform the church. Reformation is not for wimps. It's not for cowards. It can take you your whole life. Like literally, you work at reforming the church. You leave it better than you found it. You don't leave it, but when your time goes, you leave it better than you found it. But these movements that are made up of of a bunch of wounded, bitter, orphaned people that don't want to have anything to do with the local church because it's flawed. And I find it amazing that they make their own gatherings, which in essence becomes a local church that is flawed. Isn't that ironic? They start out with the high road and the wisdom, and we'll never be this, and we'll never do this, and we're not going to have this, and this is what's wrong with the American church, and this is not historically New Testament. And then when they hit about fifteen people and whatever gathering that is, they have to start organizing. They have to start determining who's who's leading. They actually have to figure out what is our purpose. And if that thing grows bigger than fifteen people, you got to figure out where we're going to meet. And so what happens is these things that take the high road. We're not going to be like the, the 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 current New Testament church, the modern local church. And then they go off and they got about a a bunch of wounded church critics who are meant to be reformers. And listen, if you've got that gifting and that spiritual uh, enablement by God, you're going to continue to see what's wrong, even in this new thing that you created to escape the old thing. (laughs) It's just so amazing to me. I've seen this over and over again. And what happens is those things end up, um, they end up cannibalizing themselves because you get a bunch of people that are wounded and, and some of them bitter and upset. And for a minute, the, 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 the refreshing newness, Oh man, we're 10 people that have insights on what's wrong with the church. And we'll never be that. But if you're going to be a local gathering, even if it's in a home or, you know, a warehouse somewhere, you, you still got the mandate of the great commission. So you got to evangelize, you got to win people, you got to disciple people, you got to, you got to train up and they got to do coin They got to become part of your family. And if you're doing that right, then it's going to grow, and if it's going to grow, you're going to need leadership because the New Testament says you have to have ordained human leadership when you've got an ecclesia. And so it's it's a bunch of cherry picking. Let's pick the parts of the New Testament church that we want to hold on to. Let's reject the parts that we don't because we've seen them abused. We've seen these things abused. Authority's been abused. Leadership's been abused. Prophecy's been abused. Manipulation, all of that stuff. And they're like, we're never going to do that. And so what, what oftentimes, and I'm not saying it happens every time, but oftentimes when you get a bunch of people who, who the main thing they have in common is they're upset towards the last place they were. They don't even have to all come from the same place. They were just all upset where they were. So the thing that bonds them together is their dissatisfaction with where they were previously. And so they come into this thing and they assume it's going to be new. But what they failed to recognize is they carried all their scorn, their bitterness, their resentment, and their jadedness with them. And the Holy Spirit's like, and you want me to bless this? And the Holy Spirit, you know I mean? He, he's omniscient. He's God. He's like, I see your hearts. You want what is authentic. You want what is true. You want heaven. You want the final product. You want the glorified church. And you're going to get there, but not in this life. Because in this life, the church is people. And people are still dealing with the flesh. People still have bad attitudes because they're not glorified yet. People are still being sanctified. People still have personality issues. People still have sin issues. And the whole thing is, as the body of Christ, we're supposed to minister to those people in the spirit of Jesus from or meeting them where they are from where we are. And you and you read through the New Testament, you see all these you know calls and commands about endeavoring to keep unity, not to give up to love one another, to serve one another, to prefer one another, to submit to one another. You see them all throughout scripture. And people don't endure. They quit. They cultivate their individual stats and then compare people who don't maximize stats in the same way. You're not as discerning as me. I'm leaving. You're not as evangelistic as me. I'm leaving. Uh, you don't have enough humility for me. I'm leaving. If you, Hey, if you really wanted to be humble, you should look to me because I have a master's degree in humility. Um, and you know, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but that is the, I've, I've been doing this a long time and I see this over and over again, but here's the thing. I'm seeing it more now than I ever have before. People quit and they'll never win. They'll never win they'll just stand on their soapbox. They'll line up a bunch of symmetrical soapboxes that others can stand on right there next to the, and then they, they bark, but they don't bleed. You want to change the church. Stop barking and start bleeding. Stop barking and start bleeding. Lay down your life. Lay down your rights. Lay down your need to be the loudest voice in the last voice. Lay down all of your negative impulses to respond to flaws and people and systems by walking away, denouncing and walking away. Listen, pagans can do that. Holy Spirit people don't do that because the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. I'm seeing this on an epidemic level and I'm trying to tell you that if you don't get your own heart laid out before the Lord and die for what he died for, what did he die for? The bride. Jesus Christ died for the bride. He died for those he came to save. And so when we are throwing stones at what he bled for when we're barking at what he bled for and we presume we're more spiritual, we're, we're deceived. We're full of pride. Your wounds, um, can, they can affect you in such a way that you so never want to get wounded again that you have to get hard. You have to say, "Ah, I'm not going to let those fools or people like those fools ever wound me again? So you build your defense up. You build a counter movement. You build um, an alternative to what Christ is building. You pick the parts of it that you like, but you refuse the parts that leave you vulnerable. And so you build this thing. It's like a Frankenstein's monster. You build this thing that is not what Christ is building, has similarities. But ultimately, it's a monster. So are you discouraged by what you see in the church? Sometimes I am. But I also know the end of the story. That there's going to be standing a bride before her groom in the celestial city. She's going to be clothed in white. She's going to be without flaw. She's going to be without wrinkle, spot, blemish. She's going to be perfect. And I want to be able to stand. And by the way, I'm a part of that bride. If you're saved, you're a part of that bride. And I want to be able to stand on that day with a clear conscience before the groom and say, my life was never, ever about barking at your, your bride, Lord, about renouncing your bride, about throwing stones at your bride, about being an online keyboard warrior, about how foolish the expression of your bride is. Lord, I want to stand before you and know that I gave my life to serve your people, and I did it in the spirit of Jesus. I did it with a mindset to win. So I'll leave you with this verse, a little shorter podcast today. First Corinthians fifteen, fifty-eight. Here's the word of the Lord for you. You ready? Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What a great verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Brothers, sisters, be steadfast. That's a command. That means don't quit. Keep going. Be immovable. Don't let scandals move you off the mark. Jesus isn't scandalized. People are, you're not, you're not worshiping people. If you are, that's why this is hitting you so hard. Do what you're called to do. Paul said in the, I think it was the book of Colossians chapter number four. Yeah, I think it was Colossians four seventeen. He says to a man named Archippus, funny name, but Archippus, this is in scripture. Tell Archippus that you fulfill the ministry you've been given in the Lord. That's in the Bible, In other words, Paul's like, I'm not going to tell Archippus. I don't know where he is. But you guys, when y'all see Archippus, remind him that he's accountable to fulfill the ministry God gave him. A lot of people that are walking away from the church, a lot of people that are criticizing the church and coming up with their own Frankenstein alternative. um, A lot of people need to remember, ultimately, you're not going to give an account for what disappointed you in the church. You're going to give an account for how you fulfilled the ministry that God gave you. And he did not give you the ministry of barking at his bride he did not give that to you like some people are in trouble with the groom I don't mind telling you that way I know he's gracious I know he's merciful and I know he's forgiving but the way you access his mercy grace and forgiveness is through repentance and humility and people that are barking all over the church oh you are in trouble You've taken your individual stats and giftedness and you've laid it all out for people to see that you're a superstar. The problem is, is you can't function on a winning team. You have to be an individual. You have to, you're a solo act. And the only other people that want to attach their act to yours are the ones that share that same dysfunction. And the remedy to it is repentance and humility before the Lord and for you to know what God has called you to do. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you again, he has not called you to be a critic of the church. You can be a reformer. The difference between a critic and a reformer, both of them see what's wrong. The critic declares what's wrong and leaves. The reformer declares what's wrong and sacrifices to bring remedy to it. Pretty much every critic of the church, all those people you see firing off their blistering, wounded words of orphan-spirited proclamation on Facebook and Twitter against the church, they were actually ordained by God. This is my opinion. Most of them probably ordained by God to be reformers of the church. It's not that their discernment is 100% off. It's that their hearts are wounded and hurt and pride, full of pride. So they take what they discern and they turn it into a weapon instead of taking what they discern and turning it into a tool to build and to fix. Plenty of room for conviction today on Mavericks and Misfits. And if you need to wear this, just go ahead and wear it. And I would say this, um, if you're following people who are wounded, angry, and speak frequently of how they've been done wrong that junk's going to get all over you. It's like sitting next to somebody that's been smoking. You didn't smoke, but man, you hang out with them a minute and that scent is all over you. You don't want to do that. Some of you need to get back in your local church or find one near you. That's maybe a new start. If you've given up on the local church, you're out of the will of God. You're out of the will of God. And so you need to repent. You need to find a place that you can bleed for instead of bark at, and you need to get your act together before the groom comes back, looks you in the eye with his glory eyes, and says, why were you railing against my woman when I called you to love her, cherish her, and to pour into her? So, guys, let's work on this. Let's work on it. Be steadfast and immovable. Don't let nothing move you. Bad grammar, true statement. Don't let nothing move you. Somebody disappointed you? Okay. We've all been disappointed. Bravo. Somebody hurt your feelings? All right. Somebody did you wrong. Maybe something as severe as abused you. It's not a small thing, but what does God tell us to do with people that sin against us and become our enemies? You know the answers to those things. And walking away and avoiding is not the same thing as loving and forgiving. And I will just say this to you that are leaders in the church and the people you led did you wrong. By the way, let me just make that real clear. Um, Maybe you were done wrong by one, maybe let's just say ten spiritual leaders. People that lead in the church, in the local church, and they're doing it well, they get done wrong ten times every year minimum by people that they're trying to lead. So it works both ways. Imagine if every leader quit and abandoned Christ church when they got wounded or hurt. And if that was you, you need to hear the word from Colossians 417, which says to Archippus, tell him to fulfill the ministry that God gave him. Get back in the game. Do what you're supposed to do. Quit being some solo act where you're insulated from pain and problems. Get back out there. You're going to get your face hit. You're going to get your teeth kicked. You're going to get your backside handed to you from time to time. You're going to get done wrong. You're going to get slandered. You're going to get written about. You're going to get mocked. You're going to get lied about. You're going to get cursed. It's going to happen. Why? Because you're following in the steps of Jesus. And Jesus told you from day one, what they did to me, they'll do to you. So we can't walk around. We need to quit sucking our thumbs and diapering ourselves you know we we need to grow up and take on the attitude of a soldier for the glory of God and leave it all on the battlefield all right i'm going to go pray in tongues for 30 minutes cuz i'm feeling the lord love you guys if you want more information go to uh, maverickmisfit.com check out the archives there i've uh, got like 185 messages or something like that and uh, if you want more um I guess, more in-depth teachings, uh, go to transformingtruth.org. We do 30-minute segments on video called Truth Shots. We, of course, all of the messages from Antioch Outpost are there on tra- uh, transformingtruth.org. And also our YouTube page, and you look up Jeff Lyle or Transforming Truth on YouTube. Take advantage of those things and get the Transforming Truth app. Hey, listen, if you're interested in getting a copy of my book and you want to support this ministry, that's the only way really on Mavericks and Misfits I ever mentioned how you can support this ministry. Grab a copy, grab 15 copies and give them away. At, uh, grab a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go. Figuring It Out As I Go. You can buy it off of Amazon and um I don't know. I think it's like ten bucks or something like that. Uh, you can support me in the ministry that way, and also you'll be edified by in there, uh, what's written in there. I tell about my uh, story coming out of an, a broken, terribly broken uh, childhood, um, entering into the world of drugs and alcohol and mysticism and occultism in my teens and twenties, and then getting radically saved and delivered, and then moving from uh, more of a uh, denominational, non-holy spirit view of the kingdom into the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of the spirit. And uh, there's some stories about my family life in there and this tragedy that hit us. And the whole point of it is it's God's story through my life. And I think it'll be a great encouragement to you. So pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go somewhere off of Amazon or wherever you buy books. And there's a copy of it on Audible. If you want to hear me read it, God help you. I get sick of the sound of my own voice in a 35-minute podcast sometimes. But if you want to hear me read uh, the entire book, you can buy it at audible.com. All right. I got to run. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.